sounds of the beast. That's the sound of the police. That's the sound of the beast. Bread. I keep the faces down. It don't matter. <laughs> it don't matter. <laughs> it's just like sometimes you have to move to the money. Cause it, you, it's money is it's like the money is like a woman, bro. Money will do what it has to do, but it don't want to work too hard to get it done. You feel me? So you gotta meet it halfway there. <laughs> like that's like the easiest way I can say it. You feel me? Speaking of which, this is my CFO calling. That means you back, bro. Peace, what's going on? How much? That's it? I guess. <laughs> All right, sound like a plan. Well, let's get to it. Um, I just want to ask you a few questions. The first question being about the decriminalization of cannabis. I know this is something that you feel, feel very strongly about. I'm going to actually go ahead and read a song lyric mm -hmm. where you exemplify I feel strongly about this. All right? On the East Coast every year, while California's selling that high grade everywhere. It's crazy how the East Coast considers herb the enemy. While on every corner in LA is a dispensary, the country's been split. Why would a natural harmless herb lead to a felony? How impactful do you believe the decriminalization of hemp cannabis is to your community as well as the hip hop industry? You know, he just said it right there. Um, that's that's from a song called Drugs One. Where the chorus is, they declared a war on drugs, but drugs won. And I was really going across the whole gamut. It's like, you know, pharmaceuticals, the opioid epidemic, this kind of thing. But when it comes to the way, when it comes to marijuana, which is thousands of years old in terms of all cultures, spirituality, uh, um, science, philosophy, uh, agriculture, obviously. Uh, across the board, civilizations have said, this is a harmless, helpful herb. Hmm. Now we get to the United States and we get to European colonialism and the, and the criminalization of whole people. And this is where marijuana becomes criminalized. It's because we use it. So, like, like it's sort of like if, if we was using uh, uh, oregano, Okay, like that.
they would find a way. If, if a regular was making us more creative and more relaxed about ourselves and even more insight into ourselves, they would have outlawed a, a, a regular. Anything that helps us to be more like us is what's outlawed in a colonial society. So the legalization of marijuana is really one more step in the crushing of colonial culture, which is trying to criminalize us for everything we do. This is what slavery was really all about, in the sense that I had something that was good for me. I had something that I grew, I knew what it was, it was good for me. Now you want me to be addicted to your version of, of, of my self-medication. I go right to the tree, pluck something. And it's not just about marijuana. I can lick the back of a frog and start seeing my ancestors. I got a thing called peyote. I got ayahuasca. I got mushrooms. I got all of this stuff that takes me outside of this, this whole thing and puts me someplace else that's real. And I bring back real results that got to be criminalized in a colonial situation. So for me, the, 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 the legalization of, of marijuana is a defeat to colonialism. It's one more brick, one, one more knock against that wall of, of colonial culture, which is trying to criminalize indigenous culture. Hmm. Which area, which filter that you have, you have a lot of filters, which one do you feel on a personal level hmm. has had the strongest impact on your people from what you have seen? Hip-hop. Um, hip-hop itself. Uh, I'm from 73. 1520 says you Hip-hop started all my block. Okay. I'm starting from right there. And it wasn't even called hip-hop then. It was, just, it was just the way we were. It's how we acted. It's just the way we were. It wasn't no hip-hop. The word didn't even exist. None. We wouldn't get this word until like 76, 77. Love Buck Starsky. Busy B would start saying hip-hop. And we would get this word. But... Hip-hop. This has been the biggest impact. And people sleep on hip-hop. Hip-hop is the most underrated event of the 20th and 21st centuries. Our parents prayed for something. That's the 60s civil rights people, okay? Let's say Dr. King as the figure for the 60s civil rights. Dr. King has an I Have a Dream speech, okay? And then with him, you have Stokely Carmichael, you have Malcolm X, you have Megan Evers, you have all these different people, who came all these different people fighting for just the same kind of situation. It's impossible for them. The government is, the, is our parents against the United States government, who is actually trying to kill you and have killed some of you. To, okay, this is it. Now, we pray to something. Our parents pray to something. Something. That something, whatever it was that they prayed to, okay, the very next generation, not a skip a generation in two, and is it mm -mm. the people who were praying, uh, Rosa Parks, uh, oh, even back to Garvey, but I'm not gonna go that far back. But everybody who was praying, okay, for a way out of this, something answered them in the next generation. The very next generation was us, Cool Herb, Flash, everybody. The very next generation, the, the generation that Dr. King was talking to when he said, I have a dream, was us, okay? 
The most impactful thing that then went down was our parents' prayers were answered. Dr. King, his last thing, we, we talked about this in front of about um, Dr. King's last uh, program, okay, his last pill of hope, he wanted to climb, was the economic piece. He said, we got to get economics. Black people need some money. We got to come out of this poverty. That was Dr. King's, his mission had he lived would have been for strong economic legislation. Black folk got to get them, open up these banks, open up this land. Let me, let's, come on, we need some wealth here. That was his last piece. The very next generation would create a $10 billion annual industry for 30 years. Okay. The, the very next, not the one, two, three, four, five, the very next generation created hip-hop. Now, in that, we learned that we live in a country of lies. So instead of complaining about it, well, we already complained about it, but we realized that we live, this, there's no justice here for us. Okay, there's no justice, there's no peace, there's nothing, okay? We realized this at 10, 9 years old, 10 years old, like that, 12, 10, 10, we knew this at this, end, at this age. Okay, like, and imagine a seven-year-old knows that the police is not your friend. Okay, us eight-year-olds know, don't go to the hospital. He might not come out like, this is like, eight years, you know, nobody wants to go to school. Nobody. No one I knew in my entire neighborhood when he was forced to go to school. Your parents forced you to go to school. We got there. Nobody wanted to be there. Nobody wanted to hear what the teacher was saying. Let's forget all this. It's, it's all lies. And we knew this. Nobody told it. Like, uh, without somebody said, you're going to learn history. We was 12 years old saying, that's his story. Nobody told us that. Nobody, <laughs> no, we just said, look at the word. It's his story. But I don't want to hear that. We 12 years old in the Bronx, Brooklyn, and other places around. This was the mentality of, of 80s youth. We know this already. You're lying to us. What is this? Christopher Columbus discovered about. Get out of here with that. But that caused the problem. Can't get no job now. Why? Because you dropped out of school. On your way down to the prison system. Why? Because you're hanging out with them. Now you got to do this to eat and survive. Now you got to da, 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 da. So a lot of us didn't even make it. Okay? A lot of us didn't even make it. What hip-hop did was it showed us that because there's no law and no justice, you are free to do whatever. You can sit and say, there's no justice in this world. There's no, there's nothing. Or you can say, because this whole thing is built on lies and illusions, then I can be anything I want. I'm really, um, you know, I'm really Gordon so-and-so, who is a, a messenger for Crantex Fabrics. Mm. But in my mind, I call myself Grandmaster Flash. Now, it, now in real life, I'm a messenger, bike messenger delivering packages. But in my hip-hop mind, in this reality-making event that's going on, right. okay, I'm Grandmaster Flash. And it's so real that I actually become Grandmaster Flash. I'm in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm in the Rock Flash. Yeah. You know, in the we realize that hip-hop is not just music. Oh, no. 
This is a reality-making ability that came out of the prayers of our ancestors, the prayers of our parents. How do we get out of this? How do we deal with this government that's trying to destroy us? What do we do? No justice. Divine, divine justice came. DJ, the real DJ, divine justice came and said, here's how you get out of this. Your children will become reality makers. They'll be blessed with an ability that whatever they say it is, is what it's going to be, even to their death. Biggie, I'm ready to die. Oh, that's what it is? Tupac Machiavelli, who Machiavelli as a philosopher faked his death. <laughs> anyway, but there's Tupac with Machiavelli. KRS, criminal-minded. Now Scott LaRock's dead. Uh, Slick Rick, ran up the block to win 83, crashed to a tree near university. All that happened, and then he got deported out the country. <laughs> okay? This is a reality-making situation we deal with. Snoop had a song called The Mur Murder Was Murder the Case. The case that they gave I heard him doing an interview. He said, I wrote Murder Was the Case years before murder became the case. He said, I wrote the song, and it was just around. We didn't use it. He just wrote the song. But his ability, what was on him, was he wrote his future. And he wrote the song that it happened to him. And this is, this is the point where hip hop, the people really need to understand that we were blessed. And it may only be our generation. I don't know. I'm trying to pass this on, actually. But we were blessed with a reality-making situation. So even though you live in the South Bronx and it's corrupt, make a record called the South Bronx, and it will not be corrupt anymore. In fact, the more corrupt it is, the better it is for you. You, you can sing the tunes of craziness because you live in madness. You live in, so instead of dying from this crack epidemic that hit New York like, like, who knows? I, there's nothing to describe crack, okay? Nothing. Okay, that was just an epidemic that just hit New York. Okay, it is an epidemic. It is, here's a better example. Make a rhyme about COVID. Mm. <laughs> mm. That's hip-hop. And mm. this is what it... And that effect, that infection, yes, that quick. That, that, that infectious, that, this thing, this is it. Make something about how these government stimulus checks kind of cool and how, you know, how, you know, they just, remember, I got a chance to reflect on myself. I know COVID is affected by health, but I got a chance to reflect on myself. You know, some hey. craziness where you can, that's, that was the hip hop site. They're locking me up for no reason. So to go to prison is a badge of honor amongst my kids, my crew. When we come out, I'm good. So I want to go. It's the oldest, the oldest example we have of this in history is Christianity itself. It's Christianity itself. Jesus was killed, on, according to history, killed on the cross. That's a horrible way to die and a humiliating way to die. You stretched out on an X. And they, the birds is eating you and people are throwing stuff at you. And it's a humiliating way to die. Christians took that. Said, oh, no. 
he did get spit on. They did stab him in his side, didn't they? They criticized him while he was on the cross. Yeah, he was Christ, get off the cross. And they wrote all of it in their history. They said, but wait. Then the stone moved, and that dude was gone. <laughs> okay, he wasn't in the cave no more. He resurrected. This is where the shit turns from, from real to fantasy, basically. But if you believe, nobody asks for facts, proof, evidence. Just believe this. If you believe it, you join a crew that believes this. And we see the results of our belief together. We all see it. Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins and was resurrected on the Believe this with me, and you'll be part of the crew that believes this. And so the philosopher says, that's a deep story, and it ends with Armageddon. The good fighting the evil. If you want to escape Armageddon, read a different book. Period. If you want to escape the, the end of the world and the devil and the revelations and the six-headed, seven-headed beast, and the, the, just close the book and pick up Hinduism. Hinduism has some other craziness with Shiva comes and devours the world. <laughs> okay, it's fire. Okay, that's all other thing. If you don't want to die from a fiery explosion in Shiva's mouth, put that book down. I picked up uh, Buddhism. It's going to drop back your belief. It's going to be, you believe, what do you believe? There's a bunch of beliefs out here. What do you believe? All of it's wrong and all of it's right. It's belief. I could walk out of here right now. If all of us in this room walked out of here right now and said, yo, you know what? I was talking to a goddess. Who goddess? What are you talking No, no, dude, listen. I was talking to a goddess, and we have witnesses. You're a goddess. Who's going to go past us? Is there's nobody going to go? And the less people in the room, the better. I saw her floating in my bedroom. We was doing an interview, huh? Did you see it, huh? I saw it. You saw it, huh? Right in front of my face. I said she was floating in the room. Who can deny it's me and I and you? That's that point passing that. Who can deny? Who can deny that you was smoking in the room? I, I said it. I said it. All they can do is say we just don't believe it. It don't matter to y'all if y'all saw it. It don't, it don't matter. No matter if you believe. No, but look at the word. I don't believe. Mm. <laughs> mm. I don't. I don't agree with your facts. I, I, I refute your evidence. I have different evidence to your evidence. Mm -mm. Do you believe me? No, I don't believe you. Well, why don't you believe me? Because I don't believe you. And we all believe. And we're just believing. And we just keep going. And, we, and no one's touching the real. The actual table right there. No one's looking at that. No one's looking at that. No one's looking at the fact, like I said out here today, slavery may be abolished. But not the slave. No, no. Slaves still walk. Nobody, nobody dealt with the slave. Nobody ever dealt with the slave. Everybody dealt with slavery. You know, we got all type of constitutional everything, but there's slaves. 
Slavery and slave are two different words, two different etymologies and two different meanings. We equate slave with slavery. They say, those who are in slavery are slaves, and those who are slaves are in slavery. But the real etymology of the word itself, slavery only means hard labor, toil, drudgery. These are the, this is the word for slavery. That's it. That's it. Slavery don't mean nothing else. It only means hard work. That's all slavery means. No forced labor, none of that. No arm twisting. No arm It's just you working hard. I was slaving over the stove. I was exactly. That's the accurate definition of slavery. That's the accurate definition. We culturally say, oh, slaves do hard drudgery work, so they're in slavery. But no, you can get paid to be doing slavery. People who build these buildings are slaves. Or in slavery, that's what she said. They're doing slavery. They're doing hard. Anybody who's doing hard work is doing slavery. The slave, on the other hand, is somebody divested of all rights. Have no human rights. You know, you, you can't decide for yourself. You're addicted to the person who's oppressing you. He's a slave. Slavery is not that. A slave is first somebody who can't stop. I can't stop the abuse. I can't stop the terrorism. I can't stop nothing. I can't stop anything. Alcohol, uh, drugs, uh, sugar, salt, uh, a new car. Uh, I can't stop the strip club. Uh, so slavery work being a verb and a slave and pound or pronoun. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Slavery is a verb. Okay, because I'm thinking I'm slaving over this stove versus I'm a slave to these cigarettes. Right. Or I'm a slave to the stove. It's <laughs> <laughs> a spectrum. It's gonna go both right, ways. Right, right, right. Okay. Or slave to the cigarette. Cigarettes is, is a form of slavery. It's a form of slavery. But like sugar and salt and like any anything you cannot stop is a form of enslavement. I shouldn't say slavery. It's a form of enslavement if you can't stop it. This, this is the purpose for fasting. And mm -hmm. self-abnegation. You know, the things you really love in life, the things you, your pleasures that you really like, every once in a while you should stop them. You know, sacrifice, don't, don't just get away from them. You know, to prove to yourself, I'm not addicted. I want to do, I like this, and I want to do this. That's what fasting is about. You know, cut it off for a minute. You like your steak, you like your, your deal, go ahead and eat your steak, but every once in a while, my G, chill. <laughs> <laughs> you know, prove to yourself that you don't need that burger. And you'd be surprised. The craving for the burger. For the chicken. What are they putting in this food? You know, we're not supposed to crave any any other animal. Like, the insanity of craving a piece of chicken. Like, you crave, like, we crave it because it's not just chicken. They put all types of other shit on it. Same thing with salt and sugar in it. And we're tasting all of that. You know, if there was no seasoning on any of the food in the world, we would we would probably not even eat. And see, this is how we were kings and queens as well, because we had the spice trade. They call it the drug trade today. But back when we had it, it was called the spice trade. You sold the weed right with the coke, right? Or the coca leaves, mm. the weed leaf, coca leaf, that peyote, and this and that. Sure. And that's right. <laughs> so like, you need a headache? We got you. Yeah. you need a headache? We got you here. But it was the natural herbs from it. Everything now, you know, they they, they take the, 
the power out. That's why everything's white. It's a white pill or white something, you know, they, they put dye with it or something. But, but basically, they extract what they think is the potent part of the plant and then feed it to you like that. Not realizing that when you ingest plants, you should ingest the plant in the temperature that the plant was grown in. Like, you know, people who smoke weed should smoke weed in weed environments. Like, weed is in a wet, hot, damp, damp basement-type, basement-type, swamp-type, right. Florida-type uh, environment. If you get a chance, try to go smoke in the swamps or smoke in humid places. You get the whole effect of the plant on you. You know, now I don't mind smoking in the cold. Colorado got some nice green. But it's out of place. <laughs> it's not, you're, you're dealing with a tropical deal here, Colorado. Like, come on. Yeah. Uh, you know, but but that's this the point is that, you know, we used to control our spices. That's what they were, that's what they originally were. Spices, because you just don't smoke weed, you, you drink it. Put it in food. Like, I mean, you know, the whole edibles industry is out of control. But we was doing this 10,000 years ago, making all types of butters and, and all types of things, and not just with weed, with everything. Even things that ain't even in our circulation right now. How many herbs and roots we're not eating? Not ingesting? You know, like nature makes everything. Like everything. Nature makes it. There's an herb that we're probably. Uh, make us live to, you know, 100, 200 years. You know, the infinity herb. You eat this, yeah. and, and, no, you, and you live forever. And, and it's really like that, because the pharmaceuticals, they're, they're blocking us from knowing this and giving us this. And what's so great about, about marijuana is that the people fought for this. The people fought for this. And this is a real people's movement. We... Government can't control that on no level, okay? They can front like they can. Monsanto can come in and buy up all the weed. Like, this is what they're doing. That's why weed has no more seeds in it, because they don't want you to grow it. When I was growing up, we used to get weed. We had to fight. You had to crush it down. All these seeds would be coming out. We had to just scrape these seeds, scrape these seeds. And even on the West Coast, West Coast used to produce nice, nice bud, but with, and had seeds in it. Now you get your weed, no seeds. Now, what happened? Every plant grows has seeds. So are we hitting the genetically modified weed? I need my own farm. And this is where sovereignty comes in. And this is also where the whole conversation with the legalization, bring it right back to your first question, mm -hmm. the legalization of marijuana, it leads to this. It leads to sovereignty. It leads to land ownership. It leads to entrepreneurialism. It leads to freedom. It leads to your own laws on your own land with your own gross domestic product. It leads to nationhood. And this is where people, oh, no, wait a minute, maybe not. But guess what? Since the Black Lives Matter movement, and not because of that, but I, you can label this era, the Black Lives Matter era. Okay, since that, a lot of people have been turning their heads. Guilt is a terrible thing, but very useful. You know, it's been, a lot of people been turning. What do you think this whole Juneteenth thing is about? Did they really give two shits whether slaves are released or did that? Mm -mm. George Floyd on the ground there was just about the 
final straw. And it's not. It was the final um, media straw. White people said, yo, I don't even want to associate with white. And this is what it is. I don't want to be white. Because there's real good people in this world. White, Asian, anybody looking at what you're color? There's good people in this world that's like, of all nationalities, just want to live, do right, raise your kids, get some money, and chill. Everybody want that, okay? It's on a minute few. It's talking about race war, and uh, you're black, and I'm white. That's an idiot, okay? That's just a straight idiot. But guess who runs the country? Idiots. And the point of the matter is, smart people don't run for office. I'm going to be penalized for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the truth. Smart people don't run for office. If you smart, you be like, why would I want to be the mayor? Why would I want to be the president? Why would I want to be any of these things which clearly ages you? You got to kill people. You got to lie. You got to run up in countries. You got to be responsible for who dies and who lives. You got the people I love. I, I, I want a job that relaxes me. But... This is smart people want that. Smart people want their own farm. They want to live somewhere out in the city. Smart people just want to raise their kids. We need more smart people in government. But smart people don't join governments. This is our problem. Community leaders, revolution only works for those that participate. Every community leader succeeded. Dr. King and Malcolm X are the minorities. And then, you know, they was assassinated. But they show us that to make our children afraid. But the movement, there's so many revolutionaries that got so paid and so got, living in Ghana now on the acres of land, just living in Ethiopia, just chilling, quiet. You ain't got to see me on MTV. You ain't got to know that I'm chilling. But I fought the revolution, and I won in the 60s. Now I'm living in Greece. Now I'm living in Europe. Now I'm living maybe here in America. And I'm now in the Fiji Islands. And you don't hear about that. Because there's no reason. Smart people ain't talking. Smart people saying, yo, I got my money, I got a little thing on. Keep quiet. Keep real quiet. You know? And I and I agree, I understand them. I don't agree with their strategy. I think we should be back in the hood trying to lift our people up. But I do understand why you're not. I do understand that. Because when I go back to the hood, oh, I gotta have a shield and a sword. Because the very people are trying to wake up are the ones that's trying to nail you to that cross. Do you agree that both are needed? Yes. Yes. Yes, indeed. If you can get out the hood, <clears throat> get out. And stay out. Stay out. Only a few of us are ordained to be successful and then go back into the hood. You have to be ordained for that. <clears throat> You, that has to be the purpose of the universe for your life, okay? Anybody else? Dude, if you spend 10 years in school and you come out with a PhD and your PhD has lifted you to the highest levels of this society, I would not suggest you think about anybody except yourself and your children, your responsibilities, whatever that may be. Think about that, your people and yourself. You have no reason to think about the hood at all. At all. And that's a revolutionary statement. Too many of our brothers came back to us, and sisters, more sisters, got that knowledge. 
came back to the hood, black people don't want to support. Black sister come, come spread, got knowledge of, of now business. She opens a small boutique in the black community. Now I'd rather go to Macy's. I bet. You don't understand? I'm starting something right here and I'm hiring your children. You wouldn't bring your money over here. No, I don't feel like your products are, are as valuable as the white man down the street. It gotta be the white man down the street. And this is this is our people. It's like the revolutionary has to be truthful with their own people so that you can form a strategy to help your people. Okay, so our people, we don't buy, but we talk by black. But when you done spent your money and opened up a shop, I, I, people listening to me right now, no open shops already. To, they, they probably beating the screen right now. Like, I done put my life into this. And it was my community that destroyed that prospect. No white man, no FBI, no CIA, no aliens from somewhere. Dude up the block. Bobby, him, Shaniqua, her, yeah. up the block, yeah. okay, now, don't want to, don't want to participate, don't want to, don't, now here's the, here's the flip side, okay, now here come the Jews, listen, man, I respect your talent, I know you went, what school did you go to, my brother went to the same school, look, I got 150000 a year for you to start, I need that knowledge, what are you supposed to say? No. Your case is what? Oh, no, let's go. When do I start? And all the great black minds are working for those who appreciate them. That's the truth for 2021. This is the truth. We have great black minds, brilliant people in this world and, and in this country. But we can't convince our own people to understand what we know. So most of us get sucked up into another group that does understand because they went to the same schools, they read the same books, they understand. So you get sucked up in that and you do well in that for yourself. For yourself. And so there's people like me who come along and the only reason I can say this is because I've lived both sides. You know, I've never really had a job in my life. The only job I had was Warner Brothers. <clears throat> I, I took a job at Warner Brothers, had an A&R for some uh, for Please record. And, and I saw it right there. You know, I, I saw it right there. Expense account, credit card, health insurance, nice check coming in. I'm living in Cali. Oh, it's great. But you have to put your soul on the line. Some dude uh, tells you when you can eat. Your boss or your superior, your manager, tells you when you can eat, when you can. And it's not like that. It's not like you can't eat now. But it's, listen, you want something? I'm going to get some pizza real quick. You want something? No, well, hold on, hold on. No, you, you can't. We have a meeting at, at 1.30. Meeting at 1.30? Nobody told me about the meeting at 1.30. You have a meeting at 1.30, it's 1.15. It's you can't go get the pizza. So they didn't say you can't eat. You believe in the person talking, you believe in yourself, you believe, and the word is believe. There's no other word. You believe in this. 
And so, you don't get to eat when you want to. Listen, I come in every day at 9 o'clock. Yo, we need you at 7.30. Just this one time, we need you at 7.30. It's just one time. But we need you at 7.30. <laughs> like, this is how we're being manipulated. Okay? I was at Warner Brothers. This is what was happening to me. We need you in at 7.30. I work for Warner Records. Okay? I work for Warner Records. But I work in Warner Brothers. So we had Sports Illustrated, Newsweek, Time Magazine, Literary. Then you got the movie division, Showtime, Lionsgate, Warner Pictures. Then you got the record side, Warner, Warner Records, Reprise Records, where I was. So I'm only an A&R guy at Reprise Records, okay? I got one division of one part of this, okay? But because of who I am, oh, here comes Sports Illustrated. So what should we do? About da 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 da, dude. I have nothing to do with what you're talking about. What is it? Uh, Lionsgate. We got three scripts here that we were really doing, and one of them have a hip hop um, person in it. We wanted to run it by you real quick, just to make sure that the, that the person is being depicted um, correctly. Listen, I'm an A and R guy at Reprise Records. Why am I talking to Lionsgate? Why am I talking to Sports Illustrated? Why? But I did it. Did it, did it, did it, did it. Started to realize this is not for me. It is for someone. It is for somebody. Because I was good at Warner Brothers. I was good, okay? I felt good as a man and a father and mm. a person with responsibilities. Warner Brothers was the shit, okay? They would have never fired me, ever. That was it. But the soul had to be put on the table. And I couldn't do it. I couldn't fire people that I knew needed the job. I, 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 I couldn't side with people that I knew were, were not with my principles. And they're going to force me to be part of something I don't want to be part of. But I got to be because we part of the same company. I didn't want to do that. So all this I don't want, I don't want, I don't want leads me to my resignation. And I gave it my resignation. They was mad. Okay, the lawyers was angry. Like, we did everything for you. What are you quitting for? And I said, spiritual uh, reasons, religious reasons. I had an epiphany. I found God. I can't work here anymore. I found God. That was my, that was my thing. And that was, that's, did you say that again for Christians out here, okay? <laughs> God creates good and evil. You can't ignore that. No, well, but, many, but many do. See, that, you, what you said was a very profound statement right there. See, we look God good. God is good, 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 good. Oh, no, wait. God creates good and evil. So what is the devil, really? Right. Right. That's an open, that's a dot, dot, dot question to the camera, to everyone. What do you do with that? That there's an intelligence in the world that is above good and evil and creates good and evil and fights against good and evil. Fights against good. <laughs> it fights against evil. Some other consciousness has no conception of right, wrong, good, evil. Just is and balance. Is and balance. Now we come with right and wrong. And, and, and I think to that point, you, you I suggest. Focus, find a place between that good and evil. Um, 
you if you want to get your PhD and leave the hood, or you want to come back. You have to find your place between that corruption and that safe space. And you got to be real with your place. That's right. You got to be real with that. Because if you if you are not ordained to go back in the hood and educate your people, you will get hurt. And if you are ordained and don't go back to teach your people, you will get hurt. So it's like you do have to know your place and know who you really are. You know, know who you... I felt good leaving Warner Brothers and returning to the hood. I went right to Harlem, actually, and did a two-year stint a mentorship at Riverside Church in Harlem at Columbia University, right there. And we were mentoring young men in the hood of Harlem, when it was a hood. It was actually when gentrification just started. Mm -hmm. But it was still a black area Harlem. And we we was teaching these kids like how to avoid this, and not only how they should avoid, but teach others how, how, how to avoid the traps that were coming. Uh, to them, we had it was me. We had a police officer, uh, an athlete, a, a, a track runner, uh, and a minister. And I really enjoyed that. That that look. It was me, a cop, Mal, Louis Maldonado, and a minister, and a track, a marathon runner. This is like all the archetypes. This is the archetype, right. It was like perfect dynamic. And we were talking about 15 kids, each of us, from hardcore perspectives. Mm -hmm. The cop would come up and say, you know we don't like you. It's a Latino cop. He says, you know we don't, we don't have to play games here, okay? You're a criminal. Like, what do you mean I'm a criminal? Look, if you can't show me right now, you in school, you got a job, you got a ho, 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 ho. He ran down a whole list. So you know you're a criminal. Everybody, the whole country, this whole thing is criminal, and that's what I loved about Eddie. He brought he brought you right there, and we were all playing a role, but he but we all played our roles out. <laughs> okay, so it's like yeah. this the this is the police officer perspective here. You're guilty until proven innocent. Really? Then you got me coming up, and then I have my perspective, and I'm not just oh cops are corrupt. I'm like, no, no, wait a minute. What about the dude that's, that's running the crack house? You know, well, what about Bishop? You, yeah. know, you know, what about... Yeah, they carry everybody. Yeah, right. I mean, what about all these people? Like, you know, really, like, what are we doing to each other? Mm. You know, what are we really doing to each other? And, and young leaders got to really think about that. Really think about what are we doing to each other? And what are the repercussions of this? You know, what? what is it? And you don't have to not do this or not say that or not. Just realize your adulthood. Mm. Realize your womanhood. Realize your manhood. Realize that and all this other stuff becomes um, unnecessary. Yeah. It becomes unimportant. Stale. Stale. Because I'm over here. You know, over here. It's like today, we got a Me Too movement. Crazy. And I say crazy, because I grew up in hip-hop, mm -hmm. okay? The 80s? The 90s? I think the Me Too movement is polite, okay? Mm -hmm. <laughs> the Me Too movement mm -hmm. is, is, is still being polite about mm -hmm. what really went down, okay? What really, from about 1983 to 81, to 2001, the entertainment industry was 
crazy. Everything these women are saying is absolutely true. It's like it's like it's like you're reading like it's what it was. But no one's talking about the other side to this. Of course, we can always say, how'd you get up in the room to begin with? With Bill Cosby and all these people. You heard the rumors. You know what it is. You know, after the 50th woman, when you want to be 51, like, what are you doing? Okay. The other side to the ambition, the ambitiousness of people. Right now, it's women saying, you too? Yeah, me too. Okay? But these are all ambitious women. You know, you don't see a non a, a humble woman coming forward and saying, oh, you know, he touched me in, this, in an inappropriate way or said something to me inappropriately. These are all major movie star women. These are, are you know, even Trump's group of women are, you know, high-class women, high-class hookers, all type of people he's dealing with, okay? These are not average people. These are not the average person, because the average person is stronger than that. The average person was touched inappropriately, was said something, but the average woman, women I hang with, <laughs> if you didn't already get punched in your face, it's, it's yeah. that you... It didn't bother them. <laughs> like, you know, it, didn't, it, it was like, well, he's just stupid. Yeah. You know, it just went on. But if it really bothered black women like that, you'd be dead, dude. Like, you, you'd you have some scar on you from somewhere. Like, you know, something would have went down. And, yeah. you know, it wouldn't be no, oh, he touched me and I don't know what to do. I mean, come on, I have a daughter. You know what I'm saying? I damn sure don't want to hear my daughter talking that stupidness. Come here with his head in your head, and I'll understand what you say. Because yeah. your father ain't raised you. Somebody put their hand on anybody. And I don't put their hand on you. Come on now. We ain't dealing with that. So I say all this to say that there's a certain degree. I say this to say, I, I was coming back to principles. And when I was coming up, it was crazy. Pick up to the two live crew. <laughs> Shout out to Luke Skywalker. <laughs> it was crazy, okay? But for some reason, my character, I'm not no goody two-shoes. I'm not, no, I would have been in the room with everybody else. But something was on me. I couldn't get in the room. I had my hotel, everybody in the swanky hotel, and everybody's there. I didn't get a room. I got to stay out by the airport somewhere where nothing's going on. All I can do is read my Bible. That's all I can do. I'm sitting here. Okay? Years later, 20 years later, 30 years later, now, ah, oh, he touched, she touched, this one. I heard a story the other day a congresswoman raped the dude. <laughs> a woman raped the guy. What kind of world are we living in? Like, for real. He's suing. This is one of her aides, a guy. So he said, this woman inappropriately touched me and said some, you know, crazy things and forced me. Uh, I think he said forced me to have sex with her, but I think. Uh, but forced me into this. And I'm just thinking to myself, I know I'm an old school kind of guy. You know, I, I know I'm, I, you know, I, I can be brash sometimes. I can, you know, you know, but... There's no way 
that a woman is going to rape me. Like, <laughs> there's no, well, maybe a gunpoint. But even at that point, it's like, well, if you need it that bad, like, it's like, you know, how about me too now? She touched me. She's the congresswoman. And now she's the mayor. And I want to let everybody know that when she was the congresswoman, she, she forced me to touch her. I don't understand that. I'm hip-hop. <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay? I don't understand. I say this to say. What are your principles? And what? how do your principles affect other people? What do you stand by? Because anything you stand by, you're going to offend somebody else. Mm -hmm. So what are your principles? Where do you stand? We can stand. Speaking of place, and, and not to cut you off, no, my, please. my executive director just gave me the first time. Oh, you know who we can afford in the morning. Yes, yes, and that's when my plane leaves. So <laughs> I wish I could. That's ideal wow. for me. Um, I want to get this last question. Come on. This, question, this last question is a little, it, it's, it's not derailing to the subject because that subject is very important, but it is kind of off the record. There's a story that I have heard from a couple of elders in my community about how KRS got to the hip hop game. And it's a very, it's an, um, I, I guess, I don't know if tender is the right word to use for it, but it's a, it's a, it's a heartfelt story for me. It's a heartfelt story for me because I, I related told. to you. Because I related to you all uh, to this respect. So I was told that there was a rap battle going on and you were there. Please correct me if I'm wrong. It's an awesome story. I'm still going to think about it even if you debunk the theory. But I was told that you were at a rap battle and the brothers were battling and you found it funny. And you were, ah, ah, ah. You know, he getting them, he getting them, this, that, and the third. And they called you out. Right. Yeah. And you had to hop in. You had to put on your breastplate of righteousness right. and you yes. had to hop in. Yes. Can you confirm or deny? Yes, I can confirm. It, 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 wasn't, it wasn't how I got into the industry okay, in that okay. way, but it was the beginning of um, of my name being known. This is Millbrook Projects, the Bronx. All right. 132nd Street, Millbrook Projects. All right. There's a little park right there, and there's MCs getting it in. And it's about 1984. Painted for it. And they are there, and it's it. And they rhyming. And doing anything. And remember back then, the rhymes were, the rhymes used to go like, um, uh, they say, like, uh, I'm, I'm Super Bob Ski, and we are the Joshua Street, and we gonna rock you right now, and we are gonna show you how, because we are the best. That's how they were rhyming. Mm. Okay. And I was rhyming the way I rhyme right now today. <laughs> okay. mm -hmm. and it was like, we are the three MCs, and we are gonna show you this. And they were battling, just going back and forth. So they was rhyming like, you know, you know, um, I saw you at the club late at night, and your skills were not tight. So you got to, and then they turned over to me and was like, like him with those bummy pants, and you, you're trying to get in our debt. And I was like, yo! Screaming, oh, like that, and it just thrusted me right out to the to the thing, and I, I hit him with the that's all that's all single, uh, that, that's all that's it single, the one on the left, the whole ride. 
hit them with that. And uh, they never heard it stop. The people around them never heard 16-bar rhyming. They, they know these uh, terms, these are the first time these terms are ever being heard or yeah. heard or seen. Rappers didn't rhyme 16 bars. We're the first to do that. The whole concept of 16 bars. The, the 16, 8 chorus, 16. That's that's our production. That's Boogie Down Productions. That's um, um, said G from Ultra Magnetic MC. Um, this is this is this cadence, and the reason being was because the drum machine would would um, uh, record in bars, four bars, eight bars, sixteen bars, even twenty four bars. The drum machine, so we would have to. We made our beats 16 bar rhyme, 8 bar chorus, 16 bar rhyme, 8 bar chorus, and that's where the 16s came from. Off, off of that, I was rhyming in, in double time. Kumo D was the king of it at the time. Never going, getting going, always going, never go, always coming, never going, getting crazy, never lazy. That wasn't Kumo D. I think that was Fantastic Five or somebody. But Kumo D had the style that was that like that. And and I wasn't doing that style. I was doing just like we rhyme today, which is now it's like everyone rhymes like this. So it's like I'm not special anymore because you you have to go back to like songs like Poetry of Criminal Mind in '87. The, the rhyme style of poetry was the style I was doing three or four years early. You I just got it. Wait, you see what you just said there? there? Looking for a style like mine, you can't find it. That Any cadence didn't exist. That cadence, it, it, it would have been like, it said, looking for a style like mine, you can't find it. It would have been like, looking for a style like mine, you will never find it. Rapper's Delight. I said, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, that's how my father explained to me when he came to New York and discovered hip hop. He said to me, I savored it and I ate it up because there was rap. People were rapping, right. but it was like, you know, Rapper's Delight. Right. And there wasn't that, the boom bag wasn't there. The 16 bars wasn't right. there yet, right. you know? Right. So that's what they had to go off of. And he heard that. Mm -hmm. He that rhythm, yes. that vibration. Yes. Of course, resonating with that soul. Of soul. course it did. And, you know, he ate it up. Minutes. Rapper's Delight was 15 minutes. That's a 15-minute record. The short version was seven and a half minutes. The short version. Okay. 15 minutes spent in the room. And you see how they were riding. You know? So I ended off, I know Hawk is over, um, that, you know, to, to bring it back around, <clears throat> you got to know your place. You said the key thing. You have to know your place. And that's the hardest thing because we make ourselves up based on what we see around us. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you have to make yourself up and not be what you see around you. And this is, this is the dynamic. It's like a tornado. A tornado is made from the environment, but it's not. Mm. <laughs> it's like tornadoes made from the actual wind. Like it's made from the environment. But when it's made, it ain't nothing. It ain't like nothing the environment is dealing with. In fact, it's taking up parts of the environment right. now and doing. That's how we have to be, like tornadoes. Marcus Garvey said, "See me in the whirlwind." Mm -hmm. 
You know, catch me in the world with that. That thing going like that because it's made from the environment, but it's not in the environment. Be in the world, but not of the world. That's right. You know, you know what this whole thing is. Get involved in it. Don't complain about it. You're a god. Transform it. And that's what hip-hop teaches us. We can transform anything. Anything. And we still have the ability today, to this very moment. If I got on stage today and said, we should not eat Heinz ketchup anymore, I would ruin their company. If I got on stage and said, we should be eating more Heinz ketchup, their sales will literally go up. If any hip-hopper To say, nah, that's corny. And the whole thing's over. We got, uh, <laughs> we got the RZA on um, White Castle commercials. Oh, what? Right. You feel me? But I'm like, right. how long has it been since right. we've seen him in this light? Right. You know right. that, and you know the effect of hip hop is making you know the world. Right. You know what it is. Oh, there it is. All right. I appreciate you. Thank you. I Thank appreciate you. you.